Buenos dias. This morning's scripture comes from Luke 5, 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Genseret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he had said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they had caught so many fish and their nets were beginning to burst. So they signaled their partners and the other boat to come and help them. And they came to fill both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with them have standed at the sorry, catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. As we begin our Lenten series together, as we draw close to this word and God's spirit here to shape our hearts, I invite you um, to pray with me and for me. Uh, let us pray. Holy God, we come near to you. We draw near to you in this Lenten season. We step closer to you, Lord, and we pray that by the power of your spirit, Lord, we can set some things aside that we might hear your voice more clearly in the season. And not just hear, but be transformed in the exchange. We pray, Lord, that you would shape our hearts in such a way that we reshape our lives, that we serve you with more faithfulness, that we encounter the goodness of your good news in ways that are contagious to the world around us. We pray this prayer in the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're beginning this series, Wondering Heart, and we'll talk about it a little bit. I want to talk about wondering a bit. Have you ever, I'm sure many of you in the room have, you've been, you're either been parenting or grandparenting, aunt, uncle, teacher, maybe in some ministry here at the church where you've had responsibility for a child that has a tendency to be hard to keep up with. They're that wandering child that you try to keep your eyes on and they're gone in a split second. Do you know what I'm talking about? I raised one of those. Um, we have a picture of my kids when they're a little bit younger. That's me when I was a little bit younger too. And my kids, the little one there with the biggest smile, she was our wandering kid. I, I saw her yesterday. We went down to North Carolina to uh, see her basketball team play. 
And she had this ability, I don't know, like I would be at the Target and I would be looking at something for her on the rack and she would be right here and I could see her and then I would look and then she would be gone, absorbed into the rack usually. You know, you may have had that happen with your children. It's like where'd they go and they're behind the clothing. She'd be under there looking at the colors or something and I'd find her and go, you scared mommy. We have one of those experiences. I don't know with kids how this happens, but um, of these three, sometimes all their feet would grow like exactly the same time. So, you know, maybe that happens if you have multiple kids. And we took them all three to get shoes on the same day. Usually not a good idea, but we did. And we had them. We divided and conquered. I had the girls. Bert had our son. I had found shoes for Kiana, the little. We were doing tennis shoes. I had found shoes. She was sitting with her little shoebox, like right here. I was with my other daughter, Danielle. She was trying to decide on colors or something. And for a split second, I took my eye off of Kiana and then I saw the box and she was gone in the shoe store. And if you've had this experience as a parent, I had it, my heart raced, I yelled her name, then I yelled for my husband across the door and my son, I yelled for the clerk to get in front of the door, and then I yelled at everybody in the store to start looking for Kayana to look for my daughter. And we're shuffling through, and it seemed like an hour, but it was really like a minute, right? You've had this experience. <laughs> at the end of one of the aisles, there was little Kayana. she was on a bench, uh, curled up, and she's like, Mommy, I thought I'd take a rest. <laughs> I'm like, Kayana. And Bert and I grabbed her and said, You scared Mommy and Daddy so much. Don't do that again. She's like, I'm just a little tired and, you know, decided to take a rest. Don't oh, do that again. Our series is called Wondering Hearts. A little bit akin to those that wonder, but different. We're going to talk today and over the next few weeks about how the amazing apostle and disciple Simon Peter, uh, you heard Isaiah's plug to uh, join the class. We still have books. We still have spaces in class. Another push uh, to consider taking the class, buying the the book, moving along with the study of Adam Hamilton, which is a church-wide study. Um, You heard us say that this series is called Wandering Hearts. And the great thing about Peter is he's an amazing uh, apostle and disciple. And we're going to talk about him today and over the next few weeks. But he also had this wandering heart that he would wander, just like my daughter, from the safety of God's reach. And um, Jesus would come and correct him and get him back on the right path. And he would do tremendous things. As we study Peter and we talk about the wandering heart, we're going to engage also um, in the traditional service here in choir. You'll be a little bit more maybe familiar with this than our modern service. We're going to be looking a little bit at one of our traditional hymns of the church as we move through with some of the titling. So you might have noticed today that the title of the sermon is, is Jesus Sought Me When a Stranger. That comes from number 400 in your United Methodist hymnal in the pews. And that's come thou fount of every blessing. And I put the words on the screen because I just want to, we're not going to sing them right now. We'll sing them a little bit in the season to remind you some of the great words that are found in this old hymn. And we'll look at the second stanza. And you'll see right in the middle, Jesus sought me 
when a stranger wandering from the fold of God, he does that for all of us. And we're going to talk about how he does that today in the scripture as we encounter Peter. And we'll just roll forward to the last verse. There's, there's great words in here. You see that kind of little bit of refrain, prone to wonder, prone to leave the God that we love. That's all of us. And that certainly is Peter. So we're going to use a little bit of connection to this old hymn and some of the lines from the hymn today. Sought me when a stranger, Jesus, as we look at Peter. And I hope that uh, gives you some context a little bit. All of us wonder a little bit. Um, Let's look at a little bit of backstory on Peter as we talk about how Jesus sought him as a stranger. And as I do that, the folks in the booth are going to put some pictures, uh, artist renditions of Peter on the screen. I want you to think about what you know about Simon Peter. You'll notice in the scripture today, as it was read well and we were reading it on the screen, um, Peter, as we talk about, he's the most um, named disciple in the Gospels. And he's referred to, as in today's text in Luke, as Simon. That's his original name. And Jesus renames him Peter Cephas. And what does that mean? I know some of you know what that means. The rock. Biblical scholars in the room say the rock. And we'll talk about that. So we'll hear Peter interchangeably in the Gospels being called Simon Peter, Simon Peter, Cephas, and the rock. And um, he is a primary disciple. He was the, po uh, the first pope, according to the Catholics, the first leader, pastoral figure of the church post-Jesus. And so um, as we talk about someone with a wondering heart, Peter is this, this primary figure in leadership of the church that is passed down to us. Well, as we enter into the gospel story in Luke today, what we know about Peter the fisherman is that this is not his first encounter with Jesus. As Luke tells the story, this is his call story, but we know that Peter has met Jesus, that Simon has met Jesus earlier in the Gospel of John. As we kind of put up the chronology of his life, maybe about a month and a half or so earlier when John the Baptist ministry was on fire up by the, the River Jordan and Bethsaida, um, these guys believed that they were probably drawn by the Spirit maybe to go check John out, which is kind of um, north of where Peter resided in Capernaum. If you've ever been to the Holy Land, you may have visited Capernaum and the house there that was Peter's mother-in-law's home. There's a church that's built over the ruins of that. And that's important not just because Peter stayed there, but it's important because during most of the three years of Jesus' ministry in and around the Sea of Galilee, Jesus stayed there in that place in Capernaum. So a little bit further south, but these guys, Peter and his brother Andrew, went up to see John the Baptist. They were drawn up there for some reason near Bethsaida. And what we know from John's telling is that Peter's brother Andrew introduces him to Jesus that he encounters John, and John says Jesus is going to be the one who takes away the sins of the world. And he says to his brother Andrew, says to Simon Peter, I think I've met the Messiah. I've met the Messiah. And so he meets Jesus. They stay with him a little bit, and then they go back down and back to fishing. 
And Jesus comes into their territory. And as the scripture tells us today, these fishermen, these experts, this is their vocation, they've been out fishing all night long. They tended to fish that sea um, of Galilee during the night. They put out um, a, like a lantern light light that would draw the fish in. I remember fishing with my father uh, with a lantern on the boat when I was a kid, and it draws the fish in, and they would take the nets and catch. Well, on the night before, they've been fishing all night. This is one of the stories of the great catch. Haven't caught anything. And so Jesus comes onto the scene here. Jesus now, a month and a half or so has passed from probably that baptismal phase of Jesus' life. He's moved down and crowds are following Jesus now. And Jesus, as Luke tells the story, they're pressing in on him. And Peter is there cleaning his nets in the boat, if you get this in your mind's eye. Cleaning his nets in the boat with his brother, with a couple other buddies in another boat. And Jesus says, and can you put your, your boat out a little bit for me? And um, Peter says, oh yeah, we can. And he gets in the boat with Peter and he begins to teach and preach from Peter's boat. Jesus seeks Peter out. And that's Luke's focus for today's text because Luke is a very narrative writer and he tells you a lot of things about a lot of things when he's telling you about something. We learn all the insight, for example, in Luke's gospel about Mary, Jesus' mother. He just tells a lot. Well, here we don't know what Jesus is teaching. Did you notice that? Jesus, people are pressing in on Jesus. He gets out in this water. People think, oh, this was a good way for him to keep a little bit of distance from the crowd. The, the water helps carry the sound. People could hear Jesus better as this crowd was there. So he's sitting in the boat, but Luke doesn't even say what Jesus is preaching. What he tells us is about what happens to Peter and the other folks. So Jesus finishes his teaching. He's really, you know, he's there for the crowd, but he's really there for Peter and for the other men that are with him. And he says to Peter, would you put out into the deep and drop your net? Did you hear that when we were, were reading it on the screen? Would you, they're in the shallow water. That's where he's speaking to. Would you, would you, would you go roll out into the deep and, and let down your nets? No, they've been cleaning their nets. Long night of fishing. Think about it. Your livelihood depends on this. And Peter says to Jesus, if you say so, I will, Lord. But we've been out here all night. We've been out here all night. You know, and you can almost hear him internally thinking, this guy, he's here. Like, we know fishing. This is, this is our vocation. We know fishing. You don't fish this time of day. And besides that, we've been cleaning these nets. We're going to have to clean them some more if we put them down in the water. But his brother said, I think this guy's the Messiah. He's heard him teach something. We don't know what. And he says, if you say so, Lord, we will. And so they roll out. Point number one, as we listen to this, this story today, point number one is sometimes Jesus will just tell you to do something and you need to do it, okay? Even when you might disagree with it or you think, what in the world are you doing, Lord? Because that's what Peter had to think. But in obedience to the authority that he'd already seen in Jesus up when he encountered him with John the Baptist, here is, if you see so, we will. So they row out to the deep water, and you know what happens next. They put the nets down, and so many fish, right? The nets are stretched, and they call to the boats on the shore, bring another boat, and another boat comes. 
And they're pulling in so many fish. This, this artist rendition probably doesn't do a good uh, job at, at showing the scene. I want you to get it in your mind's eye. That two boats, they used to stretch these nets between two boats. As they're hauling in the fish, two boats begin to sink. There's so many fish. Now, Peter knows fishing. He knows these waters. He knows the time of day. And so all this happens, tremendous, tremendous, probably catch unlike anything these men have ever seen. And it's so interesting, Peter's response. All this happens, Peter bows down on his knees and he says this to Jesus. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Don't you think that's fascinating? Greatest catch in all of his career goes against anything he knows about the nature of his trade, his profession. This man, Jesus, has, has brought in the tremendous catch that's going to mean so much for their community and for their families. And Peter's first response is to bow down and say, go away from me, Lord. I'm just sinful. Have you ever been in that place? of where you know you're in the presence of something holy. You know the Holy Spirit's working. You know Jesus is right there. And, and, and maybe even something rather miraculous has happened, and you say, not for me, Lord. I'm going over here because I'm just not ready for that. I, I'm too sinful. I'm not one of these super Christians like so-and-so that you might name in the room. Go away. It's a very human response. The scripture says that all of the disciples are astounded at the sketch. He's astounded. And Jesus, Jesus in his compassion, he seeks us out. And he doesn't leave us there in a place of shame. What happens is, is Peter is confronted by the power of Jesus and what Jesus can do. But Jesus doesn't leave him there going, yeah, you are sinful. I know you, Peter. Jesus says this. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Jesus meets our fears. He meets our pushback on our joining his mission with saying, hey, I'm going to be with you in this. Don't be afraid. Jesus senses what's in Peter and he knows what's best for him. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't, don't let this fear bind you up. Don't let it stop you from joining because... You're going to do this, he says. From now on, you're going to be catching people, Peter. You know some, some of this business about catching things, and I don't want you to be afraid, but from now on, you're going to be fishing for people. You're going to be catching people with me. And as Luke tells the story, it's incredible because this, this fearful sinful, wandering heart, Peter, that we encounter, he goes back to the shore with his brother Andrew and his two best buddies, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and the scripture says they do what? Yeah, they leave everything. The nets that they were taking care of when Jesus walked up, those boats that their livelihood, and they follow him. And their lives are forever changed. Now, is Peter perfect from this moment forward? No. We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. But he follows Jesus. He moves past that fear. He moves, he moves past his own shame. 
of like, boy, in the light of Jesus, I am just that power that I just saw come down or out of the water. I don't know how he did that. I am just not worthy of that. I'm not sure I could be around it. Jesus says, don't be afraid. And that just touches his heart. And Peter follows and his best buddies and his brother follow him too. How does this story connect with you today? That's one of my questions. Because Jesus, if you think about it, and I think this story teaches us so much. I, I encourage you to look at it yourself in the Bible. Jesus comes right in Peter's life in the midst of great frustration, doesn't he? you got a tired man who's caught nothing. And his livelihood and his brother's family and those with him, they depend on the catch for that night. And, and they know the timing of these things, and they're going home empty-handed. They're, they're at a very frustrated point. If you've ever been doing something and you're just like, nothing is going right, that's where Peter was. Maybe that's where you are this week. Or maybe you've been there for a little while, just frustrated. I, I have to admit, it's been a frustrating week. It has. If we just look outward, right, senseless violence and death again in our nation this week. Political divide of, 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 you know, not addressing needs of people that have real needs and still bickering and bitterness. This explosion yesterday that just breaks our hearts, loss of life and people injured and just so much, right? Just frustrated might find yourself but what this shows us is that Jesus seeks us out seeks us out right in the middle of our frustration right in the middle of our bad day bad moment when things are not going right he comes near and says let me show you who I am and in turn let me show you what's possible with me <laughs> let me show you that Jesus shows us the power and the potential of who he can be and then who we can be in and through him. This is, this is what we know as Peter's call story. So you see that question on the, the screen. Where does, where does your story begin with Jesus? And maybe you're thinking, well, that began a long time ago in the baptismal waters of X and X church. But I'm more asking, where does it begin today? Where is Jesus calling you into the deep waters today? That Jesus is, is seeking you out and just asking you to, to step into greater faithfulness and just take the frustrations and maybe the mess of your life right now, maybe the mess of your vocation right now, because that was Peter in that moment. And just take it and lead you forward into his miraculous plan. I had a friend named Mark, and, and Mark has since passed away, but Mark showed up in my small group years ago. And Mark had an addiction. He was married to someone with an addiction, and their daughter had some pretty severe mental illness. So you talk about a lot of frustrations. You talk about a lot of stress in their life and in their home. Jesus sought Mark, and somehow Mark ended up in this group that I was in. And I saw Mark very much like Peter with that wondering heart and that sense of shame of like, I'm just sinful. You know, he would look at the people in the group, and, and the group would be sharing, as small groups do. And I would see Mark just be reluctant to share because he felt he wasn't worthy. He felt everybody else in the room was better than him. And with encouragement from that group, 
And from Jesus, I saw Mark begin to open up. And I, I saw Mark also shameful, like we get a lot of times. Mark would come to group and he'd go, oh, we're doing this study and I haven't even read anything, Gina. I just don't want to be here. I'm like, Mark, half the, the group hasn't read either. You know, they're just showing up to be faithful, to see what, what they can do to support one another. And, and he would say, if he missed a class, he's like, I don't know if I should come back because I missed a class or I missed two classes. I'm like, other people miss too, Mark. You have a busy life. Just keep coming back. And Mark did in faithfulness, just one step into the water at a time till it got deeper. And we were talking about mission earlier. I saw Mark began to lead in a mission team. And I'm like, what is God doing with Mark? It was beautiful. And then I saw Mark turn, and he was teaching. He was leading a disciple, a, a Bible study. And I thought, this is incredible. Mark was in a vocation that he was really good at, but he didn't get very much joy from that. And so I saw Mark go about this transformation, and, and pretty soon Mark was coming and saying, I'm going to move from my IT job. I, I'm being called to seminary, Gina. And he did. He went to seminary, and, and in his time in seminary, the Presbyterians stole him. <laughs> and they made him a Presbyterian pastor. And I saw Mark pastor so beautifully over the years with his heart, with, with the history of addiction, the struggles in his family, connecting with the brokenness of the world just a little bit deeper into the water each day beautifully until the day he died. Jesus can take us places can take us past our shame, past that moment of saying, get away from me, Lord. I just, I'm just not sure about all this wonderful nature of Jesus into a place where we're joining, where we're following, where we're a part of that business that Simon Peter was a part of in catching people. What's amazing about Peter, and it talked about his name, Simon, Jesus renames him, as you all said, the rock, Cephas, the rock. What's amazing to me in Jesus calling him the rock, and he says, as many of you know, on this rock, I will build my church, and he emerged as a leader, and that's why the Catholics call him the first pope. When you look at the Old Testament, and you look at where rock is used in the Old Testament and who is referred to as the rock in the Old Testament, that's God, the rock of my salvation. When you look in, in the Old Testament, so Jesus gave Peter this name that was interchangeable with his father, with God. This wandering heart, this one who says, I'm sinful, let me just get out of here. Jesus saw something within his character that was going to be steadfast. Even as his heart wandered, even as Jesus came chasing after him a few times, correcting him, getting him on the right track, he saw that rock hardness, the strength of his character. And that's the name that he called out in Peter, in Simon Peter. We're going to receive communion in just a few minutes. Lauren's going to come up and she's going to invite us into a time of confession. And then we're going to come with our hands outstretched and our hearts open to receive this gift of grace from Jesus as Jesus calls us forward. As that happens this morning, I want you to think this. I want you to think about this. Imagine this. If Jesus were to rename you, we all don't get a new name. Peter did. Simon did. But if Jesus were to rename you based on some characteristic that is deep within you that he could use, what would that name be? 
what would that name be? Maybe you'd be rock. Maybe you would be compassionate or humble or kind or generous, steadfast. I don't know. Long before Dwayne, whatever his name was, was called the rock, Jesus called Peter the rock. And he calls, he may not rename you, but he calls the best out in you. He's calling the best out in you. So as you think about, what is it, Lord? What is that name that you would place upon me? That strength of my character, that, that characteristic that you can use, then I want you to think about how you can use that to follow Jesus right now. So if it is any of those names that I named, those terms that I named, or something else that you're carrying, how can God take that within you and take you a little bit into the more deep water? Into the place where you might have some fears, like Peter, where you might be, I'm afraid, Lord, and I'm feeling sinful as I approach this because I don't feel worthy. Where is God calling you to take just that and to bless others and to be about the business of Jesus' work, which is catching people? Amen.